0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 9 of the Bulky Blue Podcast. Now, today is the review for Chelsea 4, Sheffield United 1. I know, we finally conceded a goal. Going to get straight into it pretty much. Going to start in 11, goals, assists, subs, and then... How the goals came about. Player ratings. And then... Last but not least... I have to say... I'm going to do a piece on uh, Hakim Ziyech. Which will be later on. But I have to say... About VAR. Again. But... Moving into the Chelsea... Versus Sheffield uh, review. We had... Mendy in goal, pretty bog standard. Uh, the guy's kept six clean sheets out of eight matches he's played for us. Now, including yesterday's result, so it's pretty obvious he was going to go in goal. Uh, we had Reese James right back, Ben Chilwell left back, Kurt Zuma and Thiago Silva as our centre-backs. I think that's the third match in a row we've had the same back four. So, the stability and all that is is going to be key. We had N'Golo Kante sitting in front of them. And in the midfield... So, the midfield three was Kante, Mount and Kovacic. With Kante as the DM in front of the back four. Again, bog-standard midfield. It sort of picks itself. Jorginho or Kovacic take your pick with Kai Havertz being out with... Being in isolation And then Our front three We had the Moroccan wizard himself Hakim Ziyech We had Tammy Abraham up front And we had Timo Werner on the left Now Getting into the goals We had Tammy Abraham score one Ben Chilwell Thiago Silva and Timo Werner As the scorers We had uh, Tammy getting an assist from Kovacic we had both Chilwell and Silva being assisted by Ziyech. And Werner, it wasn't really an assist. It came from a pass from a Sheffield player. And then, as for substitutes, Kovacic was brought off for Jorginho uh, due to a little minor ankle knock And then, in the 71st. And then Werner came off, I think it was, for Olivier Giroud and it was obviously after his goal, and his goal was in the 80th minute. Um, So, overall, I mean, to start with, we started slowly. Um, First 10, 15 minutes. We couldn't string a pass together. They were pressing us. For the first 15 minutes, they looked up for it. It It's as simple as that. They looked like they wanted it more than we did, and then in the ninth minute they got 1-0 up, um, it, so they, they had a series of corners, and the first two, they crossed into the box, so which we dealt with, not a problem. And then the third one, we we switched off thinking they were going to whip it into the box again, but they played the short corner. And then it was piss poor marking, but Sand- Sander Sandberbera takes a shot, and on his way, David McGoldrick he flicks it past, uh, flicks it, and then puts it in the corner past Mendy. There's um, nothing Mendy can do about it. We weren't catastrophic defensively. We initially switched off from the what we thought was going to be a cross, but then we actually turned it up again and actually woke up. But ultimately, you just got to credit good play. It, it was a good, it was a good shot. It was a good finish from McGoldrick, and he must love playing against Chelsea. He scored four goals in Premier League, like his overall Premier League. Tally is four, and three of them have been against Chelsea. Two last season and one this season. The only other goal he scored, I think, was against Arsenal. And as I said, like for the first fifteen minutes, we just looked. It looked. It's one of the reasons why Sheffield's position in the table is completely. It doesn't seem right. I mean, I know they're bottom. Because they haven't obviously deserved to win any points, but... It just seems false. You can see there's something there ready to click, and when it will, they'll be fine. I think there have been worse worse teams in the league than Sheffield this season mainly Fulham, West Brom. They're, they are the main two, right. Who knows? Brighton have been pretty poor as well. But I do think Sheffield will be fine. But moving on in the 23rd minute, we started picking up our passing and we move out to the right-hand side and Ziyech gets the ball He's about five steps away from the halfway line, maybe a bit further in. Like into our opponent's half. And he just plays an absolutely incredible pass over the top of their left back into the path of Kovacic's run. Kovacic gets into the box, cuts it back, and Tammy Abraham, he mis-kicked it, but it went in the bottom corner. one all. And... When even when you got strikers that don't connect the ball properly, but still put it in the net, it it makes for a very good good problem in a way because you know that as soon as he starts hitting them properly, they're going in even more than they already are. And Tammy, he's having a good season. He's He's going to be tough to take out of that role. And I think he's got the attitude and the mindset to be determined to fight to get that place back. Because ultimately, when Pulisic's fit, our front three will be Ziyech, Werner, Pulisic. And Tammy needs to fight to get that place back. And the way he's playing. Granted, yes, Werner is scoring a fair few goals. But you never know. (laughs) And yeah, but he's not just getting the goals. He's getting assists. He's linking up everyone. He's dropping deep to get the ball and driving it forward. And he's bringing Werner in from the left and Ziyech in from the right and Mount in from the midfield, and Havertz when he's playing in from the midfield as well, and he's that focal point that all the others string off of, and, and it's been working. We've scored three or more in four consecutive games now. It was Burnley, Krasnodar Burnley... Wren, and now, um, and now Sheffield and Tammy's been. Tammy's been a main main focus of that, but when it when it was one all. <laughs> before, we made it two one. Hakim Ziyech hits, hits a ball. Across crossing from. Eh, so, like, sort of on the edge of the box But a bit towards the sideline That sort of distance out And he just whips it in Straight towards the back back post And the goalkeeper has to make a save Otherwise it's going in But on the rebound Werner hits it And it hits the in- underside of the bar So ZF was robbed of an assist there But literally A few minutes later he whips in pretty much an identical cross. Corner gets played to him in a similar place, hits the same cross and Chilwell's there to tap it in. It was poor goalkeeping from Sheffield's part. If if that ball comes in, the goalkeeper just has to claim everything. Ball, player, his teammate, everything. Just take, take the whole lot out. But he didn't and it literally just hit Chilwell and went in but you take it and then moving into the that so that was half time at 2 uh, the 2 1 moving into second half i've literally only wrote down the goals um we had Reese James he won a free kick right near the corner flag and it was if you remember when Ziyech played for Ajax and we played him in the four-four draw at Stamford Bridge, and he hit a cross that hit the post and went in off Kepa's face, the the um the cross or the free kick was in that same spot pretty much, and he it was identical. He put his arm up the same way, he had the same pose, everything. The only thing that was different was he was in a blue kit this time rather than a Nyack's kit. Lo and behold, he whipped it in. And I want to give credit to Kurt Zuma because he blocked off uh, Tiago uh, Silva's marker. Tiago Silva runs in front of the goalkeeper, flicks it on, passed him into the goal. And we're now 3 1 up. <laughs> Honestly, Ziyech's left foot ran him ragged yesterday. And even to the point he should have had four assists because after 3-1 he played Werner in with an absolute magical, it's the only type of words you can describe it. But he puts the ball in to Timo Werner, Werner chips over the goalkeeper but it just goes wide. and uh, You're like, oh come on. But I remember going, oh, fuck's sake, come on. So sort of like that. And lo and behold, two minutes later, there was pressure in and around the midfield. And Kante tackled the Sheffield player and it bounced off of him and rolled through to Werner, who's one-on-one with the goalkeeper, and he just smashed it into the bottom corner. 4-1. And... When when we go one nil down normally we panic we close up and we don't know what to do. There was none of that today. Or well, yesterday, should I say. We went one nil down. And the mentality the desire but also the composure to sit there and go, no, all right, we're losing, but we will turn this around. We will beat these team, this team. We will destroy them. It was like it was. It seemed like that and Zish. There's, there's so much I could sit here and say, but ultimately. I end up speechless because of how good he was, and it's a shame that he got an inform last week on on FIFA. Because if he didn't, well, basically he deserves another one, but they won't give him two in a row. But moving moving into player ratings, Mendy. He was solid. Goal wasn't his fault. Six and a half, seven. Reece James seven. Kurt Zouma and Thiago Silva eight. Ben Chilwell eight. Kante. You know what? I'm not. Gi- I'm giving everyone. Everyone and a seven minimum. Tammy, I'll give an eight. Mount are given 8 ZF is getting a 10 Just just straight up ZF is getting a 10 out of 10 Performance He was so so good It was unreal That left foot It carved Sheffield open apart Like a hot knife through butter it, it was lethal It really was lethal And he Should have had 4 assists Not just the 2 they had it's so bizarre that I'm even saying not just two he's got this swagger about him Ziyech has and the way he just glides all over the pitch and pings balls in with his effort and honestly it it blows my mind just how weak he is <laughs> what a bargain 33 million pounds when you sit there and see, well, even our own our own buys when we've bought Danny Drinkwater for forty million, when we've bought Bakayoko for forty million, when you got pe- like, when you got teams wanting seventy, eighty million for like, for Zaha's and Grealishes and stuff like that, or, or you can just look abroad. And get them, typically for a fair bit cheaper. Like we we pull Werner for forty nine million. A striker that lethal. If he played in England or was English, you're looking at hundred plus. It, it's ridiculous the inflation we put on players. But ultimately, you sit there and you go, okay, we'll go abroad. We'll get the Esch for thirty odd million. And then he'll come to the Prem and he'll absolutely destroy people. And ultimately, he has done. He has been immaculate since he's been playing in the Premier League. And it's taken him a little bit longer to get in because of injury. But now that he is in... <laughs> again, I feel sorry for players like Hudson-Odoi. Because I don't think hudson Odoi's put a foot wrong this season. He came on against West Brom when we were 3-0 down and he changed the game. But only when you've got a player like Ziyech who can do what he does. And the efficiency that he does it. And the lethality. Basically, Basically how many goals we will get from Ziyech being on the pitch. Whether it's him scoring or mainly assisting. It's going to be hard for players like Hudson-Odoi to get in the team. And <laughs> on one breath, it's a shame because Hudson-Odoi has the potential to be a world-class player. But as it stands, the here and now, I mean, Hudson-Odoi's got a few good role models to look up to in terms of wingers. You've got Pulisic, with that direct drive to go at players. Because Ziesh the, the swagger, the almost arrogance. But he knows he's that good. And then you've got Havertz. Who can play on the wings. And the way he just glides effortlessly around the pitch. and it's He's got a load of names that he can look up to. And learn from. Ultimately, that's why I think <coughs> Thiago Silva is going to be an important buy as well. Like he's already proven it, but the way he can nurture players like Tamori, Zuma into that leader and organize—not just for this season, but give them that organization to be them type of defenders for years to come. Outstanding business, it really is. But I've got to move on to ultimately the big, biggest talking point again for the weekend. And it's VAR. Again, it's in the headlines for the wrong reasons. Two big decisions this weekend and... One was in the Man United game. Which, only it didn't matter, because Man United won anyway. But the second one was in the Leeds game, versus Crystal Palace. And that, that decision, was horrendous. It cost Leeds, it could have cost Leeds points. What I say it could have, if the goal was given, it could have changed the game completely, and then Leeds wouldn't have been beaten for one. So, so I'll get into the Man United one first. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen the whole thing, but the the clip of it I have seen. Jordan Pickford goes to goes to catch the ball. It's in the air. He fumbles it. Harry Maguire gets himself between Pickford and the ball. And then Pickford swings a leg and kicks Maguire. Trying to clear the ball, granted. But he kicks Maguire. Now, anywhere else on the pitch. That's a red card for a high boot. Not to mention that he actually did catch Maguire. So yet again, VAR has let him get away. With a ridiculous foul like that. If Maguire puts his head down. To try and head that ball in the net. Pickford kicks him square in the face. And it's only because Harry Maguire's quite tall. That he didn't. If that was your. If that was a matter for example. He would have been kicked in the face. It's as simple as that. And again as I said. The fact that he's got away with it. Again. It's completely bizarre. He needs to be. Took, <laughs> to be booked. Or suspended. Ultimately. Because he's already injured Van Dijk. And he could have injured Harry Maguire. He's a danger to other opponents. And. Of course people are going to sit there and joke around. On, on social media and go. And put up clips of. Like. UFC fighters getting knocked out with kicks with the caption of Pickford whenever he sees a 70 million plus centre back. And all right, the caption and the videos are quite funny when you put them together. But when you look at it in context, it's dangerous. It needs to stop. And VAR need to pull their finger out of their ass and do something when it comes to stuff like that. However, when it comes to offsides, how the fuck they ruled out Patrick Bamford's goal when Leeds were 1-0 down against Palace, how the hell they ruled out that goal when his hand was offside, is beyond me. The FA ruling says if your head, your body or your legs are offside, offside is given. You cannot be offside if your hand or your arm is off. Bamford's running through on goal. right? He's between two defenders. He points where he wants the ball. The ball comes in that way. You look at the feet. He's a couple yards behind. But because he's pointing and his hand is past them. He got given as offside. And he scored. He made it 1 0. He made it 1 0. VAR looked at it for God knows how long. See, his hand was offside and disallowed the goal. And then a minute later, Palace got up the other end and scored to make it 2 0. When it should have been 1 0. It's bullshit. It's utter, utter bullshit. And when, (laughs) because then Leeds go up the other end and make it 2-1. So even if Palace do score the second goal, it should have been 2-all, not 2-1. The decision to actually rule that offside is completely mind-blowing. You can't be offside with your hand. And it's this whole thing of one minute they're doing it by the shoulder, one minute they're doing it by the feet, one minute they're doing the line by the head. Make your fucking mind up. Either use your brain and either do it do it from a consistent point. Either your shoulder or your feet or your head. Choose one and go with that every single damn time. The most fair one would be going from the feet of the players every time. Draw the line at the feet, and if his feet are onside, he's onside. Because you physically cannot run without leaning in the direction you're going. If you're running forward, you're leaning forward. And your arms, you can't run with your arms down by your side like a fish. You physically can't do it. And the fact that he's been given offside because he's pointing where he wants to ball. (laughs) Leeds got robbed of a perfectly good goal. And if that goes in, that's one all. Or, at worst case scenario, it's 2 all And it's a completely different game. But in the end, where they've been robbed of that goal, they've had to push. To try and get the game back. To try and claw back a result. And. They end up conceding a third. And a fourth. VAR robbed Leeds yesterday. And I know. I'm going to sound like. A weird Chelsea fan. Because I'm actually sticking up for Leeds here. But you look at. You look at other decisions that have been given, that Leeds get slagged off for. Like the prime example was Villa, a couple of seasons ago. Leeds did nothing wrong. Villa player fouled fouled, yet Pontus Janssen, went down injured. Leeds played on and scored the goal. And then the villa players started because they wanted the ball kicked out of out of play. And then Bielsa being the sporting the well, just the genuine sportsman person that he is, told these players to give him the goal back. And then what happens? All they get is nothing but shit. Spygate don't, don't get me wrong, I love Lampard to bits, but what he did, what they did, was nothing wrong. The guy who was supposedly using, who was supposedly spying, was on public property looking in. Nothing wrong with that. If you're on public property and you can see, you've got every right to look. He did nothing wrong. He wasn't trespassing. He wasn't hiding in a bush, like Lampard said. But guess who paid the fine anyway? Bielsa. Who then turned around in a press conference and basically turned around and said that I don't need this spying bullshit to get my results done. Bielsa did. But then who gets... Consistently shafted by bullshit VAR decisions like this one. But not just VAR decisions, other agendas leads to. And I don't know why. Bamford scored, as I said, a perfectly good goal yesterday. And the fact that it's been ruled out. Well, it's either one of one of two things. Either the referees or the officials are completely incompetent and can't do their job properly in which case, they shouldn't be doing it because let's be real here, it's not the technology's fault it's the officials using it because it works in Europe it works in Germany works in Italy and other leagues it's used in, it works here it never works there's always every damn week something about VAR every week and it shouldn't be happening what should be happening is this decision happened referee got it wrong VAR corrected it but no nah, doesn't happen what happens is it seems like every week VAR are influencing results. And if, if they are influencing results by doing dodgy decisions, if they're not doing them on purpose, then they shouldn't be in their job. If they are doing it on purpose, they need to be fired and arrested for corruption. Because there are people's there are clubs at stake here. Like for example, Project Restart. It cost but um Bournemouth millions their incompetence. It cost them millions by getting relegated, they lose all that money in T V rights, all that money in sponsorship deals. Where was Villa's plea for justice then? They didn't put the ball in the the net. When Sheffield scored a perfectly good goal against them. Which gave them the point they needed to stay up. Because without that point, they go down. Where was their cry for justice then? Didn't happen. But if that was, if that was teams like Leeds, even Chelsea, who had that goal disallowed when it was a perfectly good goal. I'm on about the the Sheffield United goal that was in in the net and it wasn't given by goal line or VAR. There would be a riot, well, not literally a riot, but you know what I mean? There would be uproar. So-and-so are cheaters. So-and-so are scum and all this. It's like... When you see decisions like that being made... And it's not being corrected. I would like to see what VAR's defence is of that... Of that Bamford goal. I really would because it's... it's, Honestly, it's ridiculous. It's... (laughs) The decision to rule it out is pathetic but what are we gonna do what what can we do? It's here to stay now. No matter how much fans sit there and either bitch or get angry, it ain't gonna change the fact that it's here. They ain't gonna listen to us when we say get rid of it or change the officials. It just simply ain't going to happen. At all. It's going to be one of those where they sit there and go. What can we disallow this week? And they look, they're look looking for any opportunity. To get results going in their favour. I, I genuinely want. I'm actually starting to think it's corrupt. With how many decisions they're getting wrong. And. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but it's what it's seeming like. But on that note, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna end this podcast because if I carry on ranting it's just gonna piss me off and ultimately I've got Avengers to play. So I hope you all have a good international break. And I will be back again in a couple of weeks when we play our next Premier League game. And I'll do a preview for that. Give a rundown of how Chelsea have done, what Chelsea players have done on international duties. But until then, I will see you later. Good. Bye.